You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. The Hermione uh, starts off saying that free will is granted to all men. If one desires to turn himself to the path of good and be righteous, the choice is his. Should he desire to turn to the path of evil and be wicked, the choice is also his. So, I'll ask you, Rabbi, um, so, why would Maimonides talk about free will in his book of repentance? Um, why is that something that is uh, relevant for you know for the topic? What does free will have to do with repentance? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, it seems to me that uh, that in some ways, I mean, the whole the whole business of repentance uh, requires free will, right? right. So, uh, it, repentance is about um, uh, uh, making amends for the transgressions that you've committed, the ways that you've gone astray, and trying to bring yourself back to the right path. So the process of repentance itself um, it depends on your uh, free and deliberate ability to engage that work, but it also doesn't make sense in a world where you didn't have the choice to uh, commit the transgression in the first place, right? So, like, cause if, if I, you know, if... If, uh, if 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 something else made me eat that cheeseburger, um, other than the fact that the cheeseburger is delicious and maybe we should, um, I've heard, I've heard, um, right? If something if something made me do it, uh, then it, it can't really be properly considered a transgression because I didn't have the choice to do it, and so therefore, why repent, right? And and actually, what of what good would repentance be? Because Presumably, the same force that made me eat that cheeseburger that one time could just as easily make me do it again another time. So essentially, there would be no need for repentance should free will not exist because you were coerced or you didn't have a choice. Um, And there would be no way to do repentance, um, even if it were necessary in a world without free will, um, because there would be no growth or return to who you were before the sin, which is essentially what repentance is. Is that kind of along the lines of what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Do you have a different thought about it? No, I mean, I I think that um, we are... we are who our choices make us, and um, without choice, we aren't. Right, so so that's a really interesting dimension of this, right? Because I think you're right, right? We are what our choices make us. The, the, um, the, the Mishnah says, um, uh, mitzvah goreret mitzvah, the avirah goreret avirah, that, uh, that one mitzvah leads you toward or drags you toward, uh, doing another mitzvah, and a transgression, you know, drags you toward doing another transgression. And, we're, you know, we're creatures of habit, right? So we, we really can, can accustom ourselves and acclimate ourselves toward one certain path of behavior. So I, I, I wonder about that, though. Like, um, you know, if I have lived a life where, um, you know, I, 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 I repeatedly and consistently take a certain course of action, so much so that it's really reflexive behavior. Like, I don't really 
I'm not like really conscious of the fact that I'm doing it or that while I'm doing it, I'm committing a transgression. You know what I mean? So, um, so in that world, which is the world that a lot of us live in, where you know our our our, our deeds, you know, sort of compound themselves, and we, you know, they, they accumulate, and we just sort of are inclined to act a certain way. How can that properly be considered free will? Right? If I'm like really used to doing something, and it's instinctive behavior at a certain point, how is it free will? Right, right. I mean, that's that's an excellent question because you spend 45 years, 50 years, 60, 70 years living your life in one particular way, uh, and making the same particular types of choices. So, and is it really um, free will when you make that same decision for the one south, you know, one south, uh, you know, one thousand one time, one thousand whatever it might be? So, um, you know, I think. I think that's where um, that's where you get to a more important philosophical point, which is that no two individuals are the same, and therefore no two behaviors are the same. And um, you know, Judaism's concept of the afterlife is not that there's a book up there. Every time you do something good, there's a check mark. Every time you do something bad, there's a check mark. It's not that simple. And um, if it were that simple, then any time I did an action, and you did an action, so it would just be the same result. But that's not how it is, because we're very complicated, sophisticated beings, and uh, for something that I do, I might get more reward and less reward, more punishment, less punishment. For something that you that you might do the same thing, get more re- might get more reward, less reward, more punishment, less punishment. So. In other words, uh, you know, so if I'm inclined uh, in a certain way, you know, my, my disposition is a certain uh, way, you know, I have a... Um, background. Certain background, history, character traits, you know, chemical balance, whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, that, uh, um, or if it's just like a, you know, a, a pattern of behavior, right? So you're saying that, um, that there's still freedom, right? I still, in each of those moments, in each moment of my life, I have... have complete and total freedom to break script and do something differently. Um, it's just that for some of us, sometimes doing that is much harder, depending on what the act is and who we are, than for others. You know, so if you're thinking about it in terms of like you know reward and punishment or how many mitzvah points you get or, or right. not. We used to get, did you get this in school? We got mitzvah yeah, checks. You get stickers. They yeah. give stickers today. Um, it's a little nicer. But when we were around video, they couldn't afford stickers. Right. I just had checks on a, like, with checks. a pencil. You know, right. And I, and I, and I, and I remember, like, because I always used to talk during davening, and so sometimes I would, I would, like... That's I would, pretty I, good. I was usually sleeping. <laughs> 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 you should be awake. Um, so, or at least I was awake. That's what they should have argued. Um, I'd always have to go and erase mitzvah checks. That's what you can't do with stickers. You can't erase mitzvah exactly. checks. There you go. Um, so... Um, you know, but that that uh, um, that you know the the, the calculus is um, is really different for a person as someone who um, uh, who's who's really lived a you know um, a, you know not such a great life, but then at a certain point you know really changes to, to determines to turn their life around is credited uh, in a greater way than somebody who has you know never has always lived a blameless life. Yeah, and I think it underscores. The greatness of humanity and the, and the confidence that we have in the human being. That no matter what happens, you know, for those of you who are familiar with Viktor Frankl, um, Search for Meaning, 
you know, Viktor Frankl describes how they could torture him in every which way, but there's a part of him that they could never capture. And the, uh, the human being, you know, we, we put the human being as a creation on a pedestal, because no matter what happens to the human being, the human being always does have a choice. It can, can look at whatever it is that they're beholding and make their own conclusions about it. Um, in terms of experience, in terms of uh, uh, whatever they're encountering. So, so this uh, like train of of thought um, makes you think of there, you know there's the passage I know you're familiar with in the Talmud that says um, uh, it's in in uh, tractate Brachot that says uh, in the in, in the place where uh, the penitent stands, even the completely righteous can't stand, right? In other words, like somebody who does tshuva is at a level even higher than somebody who's like always lived a righteous life. Yeah, so so critical to understand that, um, you know, our, our past doesn't define us. Our present choices that we make define us. And we recognize that Difficulty of making a good decision should it be very difficult, and as Rabbi Nav so correctly recalls from the Tractate and Brachos, um, is is very much indicative of that concept of according to the pain is the gain. And in this sense, according to difficulty uh, one has in the present to make a decision between right and wrong, so um, that is what gives it its value. It's not a decision that's made in a vacuum. It's a decision that's made. There's so many decisions that were made prior to. So it's such an um, important topic for Rosh Hashanah. So we're better off to make mistakes to live and then correct them than to do nothing and have a clean slate because then you get more credit for having to create a choice from your choice. Am I right? Yeah, well, so that that seems like that's the um, that that's the takeaway from this line of conversation, but it's a really challenging idea, right? Uh, you know, I, I'm, some of us may be familiar with the uh, story that's in the uh, uh, lesser known but still entertaining sequel to the Tanakh, the New Testament, um, and uh, it's the the uh, the, uh, um, the story that's called the the Prodigal Son. Right? You know that story? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, lost um, you lost me at you. So, so, uh, so I mean, it's, it's a story of that, like, basically that Talmudic teaching, right? That uh, um, a guy has two sons, uh, uh, one of which is, like, this perfectly, like, like obedient, loyal son. Uh, and uh, the other son is this, like, you know, is like a Bensora Mora. He's, like, a drunkard and glutton, and he's, like, gallivanting all over town. He, like, you know, runs away from home, and he's, you know, doing God knows what out there, but ultimately, um, he comes back to his father, um, pledging to, uh, to, to live a life of, uh, of, of, of dedication, and, and service, and, and, and obedience to the father, and love of the father, and, and a good life, and, um, and the father responds by, uh, by, you know, uh, giving that, if I'm not getting the story wrong, forgive me, uh, I'm not as familiar with it as I am with some other things, but uh, uh, giving the uh, giving that son, you know, sort of the inheritance to his estate, right? Like, like really embracing that son as um, the the prize. And um, I think, understandably, the first son is really upset about that, right? Because, like, 
I've been loyal to you this whole time, and this guy who was a glutton and a drunkard, you know, um, uh, uh, like all of a sudden has this presto changeo repentance, and now you love him more than me, right? So, um, so I, like I think about that with this, right? Um, it, because you can get to a place in this course of thought where you say, okay, you know, like maybe it's better to like spend a week, you know, eating bacon cheeseburgers, um, so that way when I do do tshuva, then I'll uh, be on a, a higher plane. Yeah. I think the rabbis are very frustrated because there's this story about Elazar ben Dordaya, you've probably heard of. And Elazar ben Dordaya, his mission in life was to sleep with every prostitute in the world. And um, he, everyone's got to have a mission. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was he was driven. And and, and uh, so at one point he he meets this prostitute. And uh, she reprimands him and, um, and, and, and gives him some pause for reflection with her words. And he repents, and then he passes away. And the way that Talmud describes it is a heavenly voice that he's achieved the world to come. And the rabbis are completely beside themselves, dedicated their whole life to Torah study, contributing <laughs> to the scholarship of the Jewish community, and here, this low life, uh, this low life is given a place in the world to come along with all the righteous. So they're very upset. And ultimately, the answer is uh, to them that um, essentially you are in the system, not above the system. Which means you you can't understand the inner workings and the dynamics. There's a limit to our ability to understand. So, Adrian, what I would say to you is is that should a person, and this, I, I think, is, I don't have a source for it, but I believe I've come across it. <laughs> so, which is to say that, um, that within the system, should a person try to get around the system in that way, it doesn't work. The principles that we're saying, they aren't absolute in that sense. And, um, and um, the person goes about the sin and saying to himself, you know what, I'm just, Rosh Hashanah Kippur is going to come and I'll repent and then I'm good. Um, that's not the way our religion works. So um, it, it's, it's important. So there are rules that, uh, of the system. That, but, yeah. You're, no, I don't yeah. mean to interrupt you. No, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a Mishnah that says that explicitly, right? I mean, that, uh, that somebody who says... I'll, you know, I'll, I'll transgress and then I'll repent or I'll transgress and then, uh, and then Yom Kippur will affect repent, uh, atonement for me. Uh, the Mishnah says, uh, it, it's even stronger that he then, uh, then, uh, that his repentance doesn't work. It's a little bit more of the flavor of, um, uh, uh, um, it's impossible for a person like that to actually do repentance. Right, it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's not what exactly I meant. What I meant yeah. was, you don't do something on purpose to the repentance, obviously, it's not going to work. But you could. <laughs> but what I was thinking is when you live a full life, you will make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you the, the motivation to go through and make, make choices, mm-hmm. even if you make wrong ones. Mm-hmm. Because making a choice still moves you in a direction, and even a wrong choice, because you get judged. You won't be judged worse because you made a wrong choice. You get judged better because at least you made a choice. And then after making choices, you can make new choices. Take, right. take chances rather than play it safe. Well, it's just, I mean, it, I mean, it, turns, it turns out that that 
everything is a choice, right? Because if, if, every, if free will is granted to everybody, that means that everything is a choice. Even the absence of a choice is a choice, right? So if I choose not to take a course of action, right, that's a choice too. Yeah, I, I think that uh, what I would say, Adrian, is that every give, at any given moment, all of us, when we have a, a decision, I give this people we're supposed to ask ourselves, what is the correct decision? What does God want me to do? And um, and you person shouldn't drive themselves crazy, but person will make mistakes either by you know misunderstanding what is right, what's wrong, or will make mistakes because they're not thinking about it, or because their drive, their desire is too strong, will overcome them at any given time. Um, but I think a person needs to uh, needs to need to take risks on occasion. Um, but they need to take risks when they say, you know, what's the right thing to do in, in that context. You know, when it comes to um, uh, physical, are you allowed to go skydiving? You know, when it comes to putting yourself in physical danger. Well, you know, different ways of skydiving, I guess, etc. I haven't done it. I don't know if you've done that. <laughs> so, but you know, the, the the you know Jewish legal system will say you have to play the percentages, and if there's a chance of more than one in one thousand something happening to you, then you shouldn't do it. It's too dangerous. That's the fact that you should be putting yourself in that situation. Yeah, Gary. Now, you know the the issue of choices is is complex yeah. because there are always contingencies. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the future is going to do, how things are going to play out. Um, but we do have knowledge as, as, as human beings. We have the capacity to know and we have a moral sensibility. And so the question is, you know, how do we make those choices in the moment so as to, you know, have the outcome that, you know, that, that, that is morally, that, you know, is morally correct. I mean, you know, and, and that's not always obvious, right? I mean, there, there's the concept of, of the of the sin that is actually justified. It's rare. It's a very special situation, but it's potentially it can potentially occur. Sure. Right? Sure. And in that context, it might not. It isn't even a sin. Like you know, using stream, your life's at stake. <coughs> should you eat it? Cheeseburger, that seems to be what we're using tonight. <laughs> so, or break shop, uh, like, that's probably the better okay. one, right? Yeah. So, uh, oh, cheeseburger, so go ahead and eat the cheeseburger and save your life. So, um, that's not a sin. You just right. fulfill the mitzvah in a positive sense right. in that way. But um, I, I think that uh, for that point, well taken, because choices, a lot of depends on the context. Well, I think, and I think that, you know, I, I mean, this goes back in some ways to what we were saying a little while ago. Um, I think in, in uh, what the the tra- Jewish tradition's guidance in that regard is to um, uh, is is uh, you can sort of uh, acclimate yourself um, to make certain kinds of choices and certain kinds of behaviors uh, more natural um, and uh, in some senses less conscious uh, than than others, right? So. Um, you know the you know if you're if you're a co- if you you know make it a point for uh, for you know for a month six months whatever to put on tefillin every morning it's gonna feel weird on on day thirty one when you wake up and you decide not to put on tefillin right so it, like it becomes uh, you you habituate yourself to certain kinds of uh, behaviors and becomes 
uh, yes. less conscious. It's a great point. Maimonides says elsewhere that you should you should train a child to do what's right by bribing them with candy. He actually says it with nuts and, and sweets and stuff like that because they don't have the capacity at a very young age to know exactly what they ought to be doing. So as a parent, as a teacher, they should be put in the mode of doing what, what's right so that they, so that when they do have that, so when they are mature and developed um, in their minds, they can make a decision, but they won't already have the negative momentum. They'll have positive momentum. So the fact that my daughter now makes a beeline yeah. for behind the limo <laughs> where there's where there's Hershey kisses, yeah. and she's very excited to come to shul because she knows there's chocolate there. I'm doing the right. Yeah. According to Rambam, I'm doing. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did it today. I mean, there was a. Uh, I mean, I wanted. I'm going through the alphabet. My son's learning the letters. My daughter's learning the vowels with the letters. And when they're done, and they get three pages in under their belt, they get candy. <laughs> so, so that's what happened today. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to, you know, there's something that I've been thinking about in this conversation about something that Rambam doesn't say here, right? So the, the opening line in the Hebrew, um, the, and we haven't gotten very far here, so we may not no, get very far. No, um, we might be here until next question. So. <laughs> so, so we might, we'll get where we get, but, you know, so the, uh, the opening line is Rashut in Hebrew, is Rashut l'chol adam netunah. Uh, uh, you know, the, the translation's fine, but, uh, you know, sensitive readers will, uh, will, will note that there's a very famous Mishnah in, uh, Pirkei Avot, um, that, uh, uses that same language. Um, uh, it says, Hakol Tzafui Vavushut Netuna. Right? So, uh, uh, free will is granted. Uh, it's actually, uh, it's, uh, uh, they, they, Pirkei Avot 3.18 is where it comes from. They only write the second part here, free will is granted, but uh, the Mishnah includes also Hakot Safui, everything is foreseen, right? So it's this like paradoxical uh, statement in the Mishnah. So Rambam deliberately leaves out that part that says everything is foreseen, and he just focuses on freedom of choice is granted. Um, and I suspect he does that because it's hard to say that freedom of choice is granted if everything is foreseen. But what do you do with that idea that God uh, um, is able to sort of uh, know the future before it happens? How can you have free will in that sort of uh Yes, yeah, I'm really happy you put, picked up on that. I would look at that similarly, and I would say what, the, what Maimonides is saying <clears throat> is that mankind inherently, almost in a sense, you know, human beings have limitations person might think in their mind that uh, God knows what's going to happen, and therefore, you know, my choices really aren't that important, because whatever is meant to happen will happen anyway. And that's why I think that Rambam is so careful with the words that he's given. When he says permission is granted, when he says that, you know, um, free will is granted to all men, um, it's given to them, it means that the human being, when it was created, was endowed with the freedom of choice. Um, but I, what, uh, what Rabbi Naf was alluding to, and I, some, a point that I wanted to add here is related to this, which is Maimonides as a philosopher is going against other philosophies that are of the opinion that say that there's, you know, whatever is going to happen will happen and you don't really have control. 
and he is sharing with us, and he is holding the banner and saying, no, that is, that is incorrect, and saying that as a philosophy, there's something fundamentally wrong with that, and that mankind is powerful. Mankind can decide their future, and mankind can make decisions, and the, the philosophy that's out there is one, that, one of convenience, one say that uh, human beings are are powerful. Do whatever you want, live life, and and be happy because whatever's going to happen is happening, and your choices are are meaningless. And the Raman was saying, no, a human being is so much more than that, and that's you know that's how I see it. Yeah. yeah so he even, I mean, he, we can we can maybe skip ahead. You can see it in the uh, uh, very beginning in of next uh, next halacha on page uh, one sixteen one seventeen. You know that that he's deliberately arguing against those people. He says. Um, uh, 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 number two, a person should not entertain the thesis held by the fools among the Gentiles, and the majority of this is uh, less PC time. Yes. Okay? <laughs> um, held by the fools among the Gentiles and the majority of the undeveloped among Israel that at the time of a man's creation, God decrees whether he will, will be righteous or wicked. In other words, right, he's, he's going after right. the ideological opponents here. Um, and and Reverend Up and Pelicus Wells, I can when we were in grade school, when we were in day school, that question was asked all the time. You know, why? What difference does it make? God knows what's going to happen. And that question was always talked about with the teacher. But when, but as you continue your education, when you get to yeshiva, when you start learning, that question is not asked anymore because at that point we realize that it's, it's a foolish question. And that's what the, that's what the Rambam is alluding to here. That, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's... Um uh, and I think that's you know what it's so it's so crucial on the on the high holy days. I mean, like the you know the the liturgy of the high holy days. I mean, there's a lot that talks about God's power and and, and God's sovereignty and all these you know um, uh, illusions of um, uh, uh, of of you know God the King, God the Judge. Um, but there's very little in in all of the high holy day literature about you know. God's great big plan for us uh, that, uh, that that's all predetermined before we're born and that God could see everything that's going to happen with us in the future. I mean, everything in the liturgy uh, that we're reminded about in the High Holy Days is about the, the, the real potential of our lives. And you get to a place uh, in your life, and this is true, I think, you know, uh, the, older you, the, the older you get, but I think it's even true. In, in, I mean, youth has its own problems and challenges, which is, you know, a sense of, like, you know, invincibility and like I, you know, nothing that I do is really going to you know hurt me later, or whatever, right? But as you progress in life, um, you you start to feel like um, you know like who I am is who I am, and it's too late to change, right? And uh, and and the whole the power of the of of uh, the I mean Noraim and, and the idea of tshuva is that um, is that no one is is. Uh, beat past that point. No one is beyond the possibility of change. Right? There may be some, you know, greater plan that that no one is privy to. Uh, but in our context, right, in, in the lives that we live, in the in the ways that we go about our day to day life, everyone has the capacity to do uh, to to make that next choice. And living your life the exact same way you've always lived it is also a choice. Definitely. I would interject with two additional points just to uh, keep on going with what you were saying, which is that we initially asked, what does this have to do with Rosh Hashanah? And I thank you for bringing it back to Rosh Hashanah. Um, You're welcome. It's on my mind. It's good. Well, <laughs> right? definitely on my mind. It better be. But, but I think that Rosh Hashanah, 
across all the other jobs. But uh, Rosh Hashanah provides us with the opportunity to um, to think about our choices, and and that's what it does. Without Rosh Hashanah, would we be asking ourselves the question: What is the direction of my life? Where is my Judaism right now? Um, and it provides us with that with that opportunity. And um, uh, the other point I was going to make. Okay, we'll come back to that. Yes, uh, Franklin. 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 Do you have any uh, obligation to this thought of our values, our thoughts, going over to the next person, convincing the next person? Was this all what we do ourselves, what we do for ourselves? It's a great, it's a great question. Really great question. I would say, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll let Rabbi Enoch uh, speak for himself. And, and but, you know, Judaism is extremely practical and wants you to take responsibility first and foremost for yourself. To whatever extent that we can contribute to society and to affect change, you know that certainly comes upon us as well. But first and foremost, um, we need to make sure that our own uh, that everything's in order in our own household, and um, uh, we we should. I mean, Maimonides talks about elsewhere in this book about going to our neighbor and asking for forgiveness. And not only that, but informing the person you're upset at them and that they should be asking forgiveness in a sense from you. It goes both ways. You should go to your friend if you, if you need to um, ask for forgiveness for something. You should do that. On the other hand, if you're upset at somebody, you need to inform them of that as well. To that extent, Judaism expects you to assist society and your fellow man. But there's a limit because the person you know, is not interested it takes two, and um, the person needs to accept that as well. Yeah, so I had a, I had a couple of thoughts, and I don't know if this is exactly what, what you're being given in your question, Franklin, but, um, you know, how common is it <clears throat> to to do this sort of, like, non-apology apology, right? To go to somebody that you, you know, that you've uh, offended, whatever, and you say, you know, I'm really sorry for this thing I did, uh, and then make another statement that, like, totally undercuts uh, the, the apologies. Um, you know, uh, but you were such a jerk, right? Or, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, you know so as to say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for hurting you, but, like, really it's your fault, right? It really wasn't me. You made me do it because of the way you were acting. Um, and, uh, and, and that's a, um, a, a really important dimension of, of Chuba is, um, it is acknowledging that there are really very few things in our life that other people make us do. Um, you know, uh, even, I mean, the, uh, Judaism has uh, only a handful of transgressions uh, that uh, you're, um, that uh, you're, uh, 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 that you die rather than uh, commit those transgressions. Um, but, uh, but, but, but just about anything else, right? we, we really have a choice in what we're, what we're going to do. Um, and, uh, and, and there's, you know, really no one uh, forcing us one way or the other. There may be influences, right? But, uh, um, uh, so, you know, our tendency is to kind of let ourselves off the hook and put the blame on somebody else. 
um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and, and and that inhibits, I think, the process of tshuva on, on, the, on the high holy days. The other thing that I was thinking about with, with your question, Franklin, and I really don't know if this is the direction you want to go, but you know, there's this uh, uh, ongoing rabbinic debate about Noah in the book of Genesis. And, uh, you know, right, it says about Noah that he was a ish tzaddik b'dorotav, right, that he was a righteous person in his generation. And there's a rabbinic debate, like, is that, you know, a, uh, a, a, a compliment to Noah or, like, a subtle, like, uh, 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 you know, zet to Noah's character, like, he wasn't, Either, either like look how great he was despite his generation, or look how great he was only in comparison to his generation, right? Um, so listen, you know, I think that you can make a plausible argument for saying, you know, like yeah, okay, if you lived in the time of Abraham, you wouldn't have been so great. Uh, he was only great in comparison to his generation. But it's also I think really uh, worthwhile to say, you know, how hard is it to be a righteous person? When everyone around you is so bad that God is willing to destroy the world in the flood because you're so bad, right? It takes a lot of, like, uh, courage and conviction and strength to be able to be good in that kind of world. Yeah, Maimonides says elsewhere um, that if you're in a society, or if you're in a world, where everybody's living a immoral, uh, decrepit, uncivilized way, find yourself a cave, and go off on your own and do that. And the, my mind doesn't say that lightly. Judaism can't be lived in isolation. You don't have a, a, a community, you can't be fully Jewish. That's why things have minion, that's why things have multiple judges in rabbinical courts. It's just, you need to have people around if you want to be a religious person um, with, in accordance with uh, uh, Judaism. And so, but, that, but Rambam says, go find yourself a cave and live in isolation because the influence, the impact of those around you is so significant and so severe that um, your essence might be affected. And, and, and therefore, the Rambam has that advice uh, for, for those who might find themselves in that situation. Yes. Sorry, your name again? Carla. Um, bouncing off of Franklin's question and some of this, I think... One tendency I know I've had in my past that I've had to deal with a couple of years or two is you'll start to get this nudge on the inside that something you've been doing, not as obvious as cheeseburgers, but maybe the way you treat the clerk at the store where you shop or whatever, um, is wrong. And then you look for somebody or you see somebody doing it worse than you. Well, I didn't cuss her out. I didn't. And you want to go and correct them rather than correct what's inside. Because it's so much easier to play the corrector of somebody else's faults than to look inside and say, I need to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, the psychology, you know, talks about the fact that, um, essentially, that we are, it's easy for us, something which you and I know to be true, um, that it's easy for us to find the faults in others than to find faults within ourselves. Not only that, but the faults that we find in others, we see them to be fundamental to the person. The faults that we find within ourselves are just something which we've made a mistake. You know, so um, it's very, very true. Um, but I, I uh, okay, maybe we'll, maybe we'll take a little bit of the third. Yeah, yeah, can I, can I just, I mean, yeah. I, I just want to say about that, I mean, like, you know, I, I feel this personally, I don't know if you do too, I think it's especially um, a, uh, uh, an, an area 
that, uh, that that rabbis need to be careful about because you know, we're we're often in positions where we're trying to you know encourage different sort of moral choices from people. Um, but you know it, it's uh, it's it's easy to get into a groove where you're um, where you're uh, um, you know telling people uh, to live in ways that you're not. Uh, Forcing yourself to do right, you're, you're not like really doing that that spiritual work yourself. I see, I see it in rabbis all the time. I'm sure I'm guilty of it um, uh, uh, too. So I, I think you know, especially this time of year where you're speaking a lot. That's why, like, um, you know, the um, uh, uh, when when Maimonides teaches about like the prophets uh, and about Moses, especially, he talks about them being on um, such a highly developed. Um, philosophical and spiritual plane, um, and if you think about like the work that Moshe and the prophets do about you know this like uh, um, you know uh, Moshe with uh, um, with uh, the Tochacha that you read in, in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, the, the rebuke uh, the prophets is like a lot of rebuke of people, right? And so I think the argument that he's making is like um, you really need to make sure that you are in the right place. Um, morally, spiritually, before you presume to tell other people how to live. Yeah, I mean, one of the 613 commandments is to give reproach. But pretty much across the board, all those who reference this commandment will say, if the reproach is not going to be accepted, then it's going to backfire, better not to give the reproach at all. And one of the main ways in which reproach is rejected, or has the opposite of the intended effect, is when the person who's giving the reproach is not genuine or sincere um, with regards to this particular area. So, uh, certainly I think that's uh, an important point. Um, do, do we want to look at, yeah. look at the, the last uh, number three? Yeah. Which is 120 uh, in the English, 121 in the Hebrew. This principle is a fundamental concept and a pillar. In other words, the issue that that we're all talking about tonight is really a critical one within Judaism. And the pillar of the Torah and mitzvot, as states, Behold, I set before you today life and good, death, and evil. In other words, we have a choice to choose good or to choose evil. And similarly, Deuteronomy states, Behold, I have set before you today, implying that the choice is in your hands. And lastly, any one of the deeds of man which a person desires to do, he may, whether good or evil, and therefore Deuteronomy states, only their hearts would always remain this way. From this we can infer that the Creator does not compel a decree that people should do either good or bad, rather everything is left to their own choice. And I think this is the most important concept, in my opinion, of what we're going to discuss tonight, which is that um, I think rabbis and is, you know, I think that you and I can share this. Very often we are, we are tested by a congregant or a parishioner with the following question, which is, why did God do this to me? And um, the answer is, is that, uh, you know, God did not do it to you. Your sense is that God did it to you. Um, and I think what the Rambam is saying here, and I, I, I've seen where the Rambam says, says this elsewhere uh, in his other works, um, a person 
chooses their lot for themselves. Now, we don't know why things happen. So, on the one hand, it's completely impractical to know that we've done it to ourselves because we have no idea, we have no way of connecting the dots. We don't know why, why it happened. Uh, on the other hand, though, um, it, it, it is, we do know that there are consequences for actions. It's very hard for me and for a lot of people to swallow that necessarily. But, but that's the system that's been set up and given to us uh, by God. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point. It, you know, there, there's, there's a place where uh, Rambam talks about this, I think, in the, uh, in, in the more in the movie, in the kind of the perplexed. And he says that, you know, most suffering um, is uh, due to one of uh, a handful of uh, things, you know. Uh, one is um, a natural consequence of being in uh, the you know being in the material world, right? Natural consequence of materiality, right? So you know our cells divide, sometimes they don't divide uh, in the right way, and that's like sort of built into the to the system. Um, when it happens, it's uh, it, it um, you know it's not like um, a conscious choice on the part of the universe that make it happen to you or me or whoever, God forbid. Um, but it is you know a consequence of uh, of of uh, of materiality, and the second um, is uh, um, the choices one makes for themselves. I think mean, what you're saying, right? So um, you know there are, there are some uh, sufferings and some illnesses that are you know, and I mean there's some very direct ones we can think of, right? The person who got for big gets uh, lung cancer after a life of smoking, right? But there are other ones that are a little bit less clear than that. Um, the third is. Um, uh, a uh, an exercise of uh, of of freedom uh, that one person does to another person, right? So you're the victim of somebody else's exercise of free will, and they're doing it in a way that's harmful to you, right? So you know, um, uh, you know, God forbid, like someone like the Holocaust, right, is is suffering not because God's causing it, because there's another person, a group of people that are exercising their freedom in a way that that hurts you, you know. So um, so this is really important because what it means is. Um, that, you know, not everything bad or good that happens to us is necessarily a consequence of our actions, but a lot is. Yeah, I mean, I think that we, I think we all could agree that if all human beings um, acted in a saintly manner, then, then there's a good chance that, uh, um, that, nothing, that nothing would happen. Uh, and that, uh, and, you know, Mashiach would come and etc. Uh, along those lines. Um, it, I, it's important to reiterate this, which is that the ultimate religious conceit is when a human being would say that I know why this disease or this plague or, or this uh, tragedy occurred, and I can understand God and say that this was the cause. That's the ultimate religious conceit. But the um, nevertheless, within the system, of reward and punishment um, is the fact that man plays a critical role in that system. There is a statement about consequence, actually. I mean, and the statement is of Taskilu, okay, that, and I always, I always, you know, wonder what that means exactly. Lehaskil, right? It's actually a formula that's used, actually, by David Solomon as well, that idea that if you track along the way you're supposed to, things are going to go well for you. 
It's interesting that you mentioned David again, because King David, the story in the Talmud says that David knew he was a righteous person, he had the power of prophecy. David knew that the angel of death was out to get him at the end of his life. And therefore, he, he knew that it was his time to leave this world. And therefore, he made sure that every single second of his time was involved in Torah study or mitzvah of one thing or another. And that, and, and at some point, he, he was walking and he, he fell and he tended to himself. His mind was diverted. At that moment is when the angel death got him because he was distracted. But um, it's, uh, but, but he seemed to know what you were saying, which is that there's, there's a path where there's a certain assurance. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I tend to think of stories like that a little bit more um, allegorically, but, um, you know, the, the, the sense that I get from that is that, um, you know, that, that, that engaging in, uh, in, in, a, in a life of uh, Torah and, uh, um, and, and mitzvot and deeds of, of, of righteousness and justice um, it's not so much that it will stave off the angel of death, because the angel of death will at some point, you know, come for us all, and sometimes the angel of death comes for a person who is engaged in Torah study, but that, um, but that each moment is filled, engaged in that kind of uh, uh, activity is filled with more life um, than um, than than the uh, things that we f- tend to fill up our lives with um, that are not particularly. Uh, purposeful, that are not particularly uh, nurturing of our souls, that are that are um, uh, acts of uh, of, of uh, making the world a better place. So uh, you know, so so okay, you know, the, you might die either way at the same exact time. But the question is, how much have you really lived? And the, and from the Jewish perspective, the the criteria of how much have you really lived is not like what what kind of like crazy activity did you knock off your bucket list. Um, but um, how much life affirmation, how much purpose, how much meaning did you bring into your life? Did you communicate to other people and bring to your family? Did you share with community? I really like that point you just said, um, uh, Rabbi Knopf, which is that, you know, I think we underestimate our, in a major way that when uh, actions of goodness or kindness are done, the infusion of life in positive act beyond our wildest and the reverse of that is true as well. Um, but that certainly is, is, is the core principle and the takeaway message in, in all of this.